general nerdery. I was so scared going into this episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> hi, general nerdery podcast about liking things. Zach, Tyler, Tyler. we're on to this. Yes. Okay. I was so scared because we're about to talk about a foundational fucking show for me that I have not watched in like 10 years. And I was like, how much rose tinted glasses have I been remembering this fucking show with? Okay. Well, we'll talk the about that. The about 60%, but <laughs> I'm, yeah. We'll we'll talk about all this because we're coming at this from completely different angles. Which was on purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, hi, actually welcome to General Nerdery, podcast about liking things. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. We, we already covered this. But anyways, we're here to talk this week about Smallville because apparently I like going back to 20-year-old shows on this podcast now. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Unironically, I love doing it. Like, um, And I believe before it was a 30-year-old show. Almost. Yet it was more timeless than this one. Very true. We'll Very get true. there. Uh, first, what have we been ingesting? What have we been ingesting? I actually, I got a couple of things to bring up kind of on the ingesting front, kind of on like I did things this past week oh, front. So I did, I actually held back just to get your reaction to this <laughs> um, on mic. Uh, the film project that I brought up back when we talked about um, that was Briscoe episode. Briscoe. Technically. Uh, shot this week. So I acted for the first time since college, which was terrifying. And I don't think I did a great job, but I know that my director said that he got the shots that he needed. So I it makes you feel that. better. Jonathan Frakes, who played Riker, came back in Picard and he's like, I haven't been in front of the camera in 10 years. And he like tried it in front of his wife and she was like, okay, we have some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I stayed up way too late the night before practicing uh, a Mexican accent <laughs> and then couldn't do one to save my fucking life the day of. But I sounded really good the night before. Oh, yeah. But here I am as a bandito. Oh, you did show me this picture. Oh, did That's... I? Okay. I couldn't remember if I did or not. It's pretty great. I like the like fox fur collar thing. Collar thing. Yeah. It does look a little more like a like fashion stole than it does. <laughs> um, I'm the uh, I'm the most like done up out of all of them. The rest of them look, you know, pretty normal Westy though. Are we allowed to put that picture somewhere where they can see it? Can we put it on our social media I'll or something? I'll put it somewhere. Okay, I'll put it somewhere. This I don't does think need to be shared. I don't think it's like too much of a spoiler. You look good. I'm sound like I'm just making fun of you, but like it. I'm I'm very excited now that like I still haven't been told what I can or can't say, but now that it's shot and like should be premiering on some sort of platform. I think probably before July, because I think that's when we're planning on trying to shoot the next little bit of it. Oh, that's cool. Like, I will say that now that I'm the the leader of, I'm not the leader of the gang, mm -hmm. but like, I'm the leader of the gang because the guy who runs the gang is an old man with TB that runs back, like, that lives back at the farm. Like I'm the leader out in the field. You're the of, the field commander or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the, well, I'm I'm the dragon. Like I'm the I'm the right hand man. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm the young muscle slash fucking shotgunner. Exciting. Yeah, it was something else. Uh, got yeah. I I could go off on that for a while, and maybe we'll figure out some way <laughs> to work that into an episode at some point. But General Nerdery, the acting history <laughs> of Tyler. Uh, to go along with that, we premiered the very last Jafar two nights ago. Just a friendly reminder. Which is the 
Oh, how to best describe it. I've started calling it, it's an absurdist comedy set within the confines of a fictional grocery mega chain training video. Mm -hmm. It's a how any bad how to work video that goes off the deep end. Kind of. The the thing is, it's not really, it's kind of a parody of those videos, but it also contains its own story. It's more like the comedy is set within the confines of one of those videos. Okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm one of the stars of that. And so go check that out on YouTube. Uh, the very final episode just dropped. We premiered it at the Roxy because it was also kind of a going away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... For one of the guys that was in it. I heard that party was Utah. happening. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, this past weekend, I ingested seeing myself on the big fucking screen. <laughs> That's amazing. I uh, only cried a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love how every movie ever makes you cry. <laughs> um, for those who don't live in Missoula, the Roxy is a local nonprofit theater that does a whole bunch of local stuff and, like, behind-the-scenes movies. and Not behind-the-scenes, but, like... Lesser known and old yeah. movies. And if if an art house film comes to Missoula, that's the theater that's mm -hmm. going to show it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we walked down a red carpet that was appropriately just like red paper. That, yeah. Um, came all in formal wear, most of us uh, making a total joke of it. Uh, although I uh, am still jealous of Patrick's cummerbund. Anyway, <laughs> uh, as for actual ingesting this week, it's been a shit ton more Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And, oh, there was something else I was going to bring up that I watched. Uh, tried the Nevers. The Joss Whedon. HBO show. Victorian X-Men. Yeah, uh, exactly. That was the thing. I, I thought the trailers for it looked pretty cool, though I really wasn't going to check it out myself. But then my girlfriend wanted to, so I was like, I'm not right, so sure. like, yeah, like I'm not <laughs> against doing this and my, like everybody in it did a fine job. It was just super apparent that Whedon isn't overriding the X-Men. Also, it's super like that. Oof. It's not a great written episode. It's really obvious and kind of generic. Whedon. I mean, I don't really have anything to do with Whedon anymore because he's proven himself problematic enough. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's kind of like, there are some creators who aren't so closely attached to what they make that it doesn't bother me as much. But it like, trying to watch Whedon right now is just very uncomfortably like I'm thinking of Joss Whedon the whole time. Yeah. Uh, um, I had that problem while watching it, but. But he kind of peaked writing Astonishing X-Men, to be honest. And I have my critiques of that run, but it is a pretty amazing X-Men run at the same time. I'm pretty sure, I think his involvement with that show lessens as it goes on because of when he was booted from the project, but yeah, I'm not positive. Left. So I, 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 he didn't I, finish the season, I know. Like, he leaves... I think relatively early in the season. So he's less involved. So I could easily see that show getting a lot better. Like the parts that were problems in it felt also like him. What's interesting is throughout this episode, I'm going to talk about how much I've been missing like nineties and two thousands television tropes lately. Mm -hmm. uh, and how I wish we had more of this kind of story. While also criticizing Joss Whedon for, he has not changed what he does since like, the 90s, really. 
other than budget. Yeah. Um, and on the other side of things, I ended up binging Invincible in like two and a half days. You had good things to say about it, though. Yeah, it's I thought it was incredible. Uh, to be fair, it is a little bit more up my alley when you get to the like ultra violent part mm-hmm. aspect of it. Uh, but whew, everybody kills and I didn't even ugh, the animation kills. The animators do a really good job of finding ways to work in scenes to make the characters also reflect their voice actors. Mm-hmm. When they find ways to do that, the work always turns out so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I was truly amazed at how often like um, Invincible's mom actually ended up looking like Sandro, even though like other scenes, her character very much just looked like her character in the comic. From what I've seen, I haven't actually read any Invincible. Honestly, in the comic, she doesn't look wildly different from Sandro no. either. So, like, but you know, like, yeah, there's differences. No, it's one hundred percent. As I was telling you, I read Invincible religiously for like up to a point, fifty to seventy-five issues, and then I and I don't know what clicked, but I just went, I'm not enjoying this. Like, I'm not enjoying reading this anymore and i can point out like the exact point in the comic where it just jumped the shark for me Mm -hmm. but other people loved it for another like 100 issues so that is entirely like the way i like things and the way robert kirkman likes things has just shifted enough that i'm like well this is no longer for me um I'm really glad to see it get the respect it got though. Like I know a large part of that is because he created the walking dead, mm-hmm. but invincible is his stronger property. So I'm, I'm glad to see invincible get the love it deserves. Uh, I'll, I'm normally kind of a horror guy as evidenced by the fact that I have a horror movie podcast and I'll agree with you up and down. Like Invincible's way stronger than walking dead, even from this little bit of it that I've ingested. Also the, the original artist uh, it's, I think Corey, Walker and Ryan Otley, who is the artist for like a hundred invincible issues. Also just basically the same writer artist team for the entire book that lasts that long is insane. That is mm. unfucking heard of in the modern industry, unless you're like Eric Larson on Savage Dragon. So there's a whole lot of fucking things I respect about invincible. It just at some point becomes torture porn for me. Mm-hmm. Like so many bad and violent things happen and there's nothing wrong with that. But I was like, God, I just I really liked the early stuff where it was still like a pretty traditional superhero thing. So I mean, legitimately, even just this first season had some bits where I was just like, wow, that's violent. Yeah. Kirkman really wanted to play with what you could do with uh, with superhero stories. And he originally planned it as like. He's like, the, the best compliment I could get about Invincible is to watch someone like 10 years after I leave the book write something that makes me go, no, what's wrong with you? Invincible would never do that. <laughs> and then he realized that he's like, but I just, I have been writing this character for a hundred whatever fucking issues. I can't pass him on. Mm-hmm. He is mine and Ryan's and we're going to end it on our terms. Right. And Otley went on to do Spider-Man and honestly... Not my favorite run, but some of the most beautiful Spider-Man has been in years. And that's mostly it. Um, also, I do just because I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. I would also just want to bring up uh, Hentified on Netflix. 
what I was using to try to get more into a Mexican accent. Ah. It's a comedy set in L.A. about um, a Mexican family with a taco shop uh, having to deal with gentrification. That, in some ways, kind of relates to one of my what I've been ingesting. But it's also Very kind of... But it's it's one of those ones where it also is kind of complicated because like, like the the main person taking over the neighborhood, like the main corporate entity, mm-hmm. is like kind of a neighborhood guy that did good. Yeah, there's gentrification is way too complicated yeah. for me to talk about on this podcast. I'm just gonna be honest about that. But it still manages to be a really good comedy. Good. Okay. That, that's yeah. Mm. I, I I didn't even finish that first season, so I don't have too much more to say about it, but, like, I was surprised at how well I was actually, like, enjoying it. I mostly put it on because I'm like, well, I know that Carlos from Spanish Aki Presents had to learn a Mexican accent rather so than his yeah, to, <laughs> to do this, and so I'm going to do this one. <laughs> um, let's see, what have I been in? Uh, I'm on a diet, and I found my way to handle some of my food cravings is I've been watching Worth It on YouTube a lot. I don't know if you've ever seen this show. Mm-mm. It's another BuzzFeed show. Apparently I'm a fan of BuzzFeed videos, and I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and it's these two guys that are traveling. By the later seasons, it must be bringing a bunch of money because they're traveling the world to make this oh, show. Oh, shit, okay. And they'll take one style of food at a restaurant, like steak, burgers, uh, Korean barbecue, and trying... Three, uh, the same meal at three different places at three drastically different prices. So, you know, it might be like a buck, two bucks for the burger in uh, that, but then like a $700 burger on the third one. And admittedly, all the rich people food tends to make me ridiculously angry. <laughs> so like, it's a burger that costs a thousand dollars. We put caviar and gold on it. And it's always either caviar, truffles, or gold. Literal gold put on the food to make it expensive. And like caviar and truffles, whatever. It's overpriced, but whatever. Eating gold is the stupidest fucking thing (laughs) in the world. It's literally just to say you have gold on it. Yes. And then you shit out the gold because your body can't. Yeah. It is the most pointless thing. And apparently like I... I know I have a level where I hit class warrior, but like where that level <laughs> hits is in apparently rich people food. It hits really fucking fast. That's fucking funny. Like if it's over $200 for a meal, I'm like, all right, now you're just full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've been reading uh, shadow man. Cause like I went through oh, all yeah. of Archer and Armstrong that's been published so far. And I've been going through all of shadow man up to the current run. A little slower. Archer and Armstrong is a little more consistently good. good. I love Shadow Man, and I'll agree. There's completely. some bad Shadow Man. <laughs> I mean, not actually, I take that back. There is some really meh Shadow Man. I've not read any that was like, this is awful, but I, I haven't had that same level of like, I need to get back into this. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Um, I guess that means it's time for our Newstastic 4. Yes. Hell yeah. Uh, where do we want to start? I will go first with our science one that admittedly I only sort of understand. This is what I quickly realized was the uh, problem with doing a science news thing. Like I really like it because we learn interesting stuff, but I only ever understand about a third of what we're talking about because I I am not science guy. 
But physicists have broken the speed of light with uh, light pulses inside hot plasma. Wow. What? Yes. <laughs> so, speed of light. You know, this is the speed light travels. We, in theory, you cannot go faster than that. Partly because Einstein predicted weird time shit happens. Right. I um, mean, weird time shit happens when you even get close. close. Yeah. Thank you, Red Dwarf, for teaching me this information originally. But light doesn't always follow the same rules itself, and they've been testing sending, like, light pulses through different materials to see if they can oh. speed it. As I understand it here, as so they can, you know, speed it up. Um, and it sounds like they've succeeded. Kind of like how different materials are better conductors of mm -hmm. heat or something. At least if I read this article correctly, and if I didn't, I'm. we can do corrections next week, and please let me know if I am wrong here. Um, it probably doesn't mean anything for, you know, us, like physical matter breaking the speed mm -hmm. of light. But when I was in high school, they didn't even think, like, this was possible. So it is a huge achievement. Yeah, and that it's sort of thing weird. can just make measuring things in the cosmos a lot more accurate. Mm-hmm. So it is, uh, it's one of those things that like, what's, what's the immediate meaning? And all of us are like, not really anything for day-to-day -day life, but like some of the things we can do with this is just But this could cascade. Incredible. Yeah. Immediately what comes to mind is it feels like it could be used to make some measurements, especially of galactic objects, mm -hmm. uh, more accurate. Maybe even easier to make. I don't know but more accurate nonetheless when you know what the light is passing through on the way. And just making things more accurate leads to other discoveries. Also, I don't understand how... I'm not even going to pretend to explain, mm -hmm. like, how they did this, because I hear... I read the word electron, and my brain shuts off. <laughs> like, Fair. I am, Fair. I am not good at this. They say lasers would be a big winner, because, you know, what you can do with a laser, if you can speed it up, is... Right. Uh, Huge, And they use lasers for all sorts of shit. All that, sorts of things now. Yeah. Not guns. We were promised many more laser guns than we have, have received. <laughs> and I recognize that's probably a good thing as someone who's largely a pacifist. It's but also it's still a little wildly disappointing. disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Got one laser gun. Just one. Just one. Give me a laser gun. It's like a jetpack. I know you shouldn't use it. It doesn't mean I don't want to desperately be the rocketeer. There's already enough car crashes. Doesn't mean I don't want a flying car. <laughs> Gas is already inefficient enough. Doesn't mean I don't want a flying car. What about you? What's your... Uh, okay, so mine was... I had three things come up that I didn't know what to count as new because they were basically all within the last three days. Let's get my other one out of the way real quick if you're going to kind of like... Yeah. got your three big ones. Uh, just because this one's pretty short and I, wanna, I don't want to interrupt the flow later. I'll interrupt the flow now. Uh, HBO has announced that it is starting two new cart uh, DC cartoons, and they're putting serious time and people onto them. So I'm actually really excited about these. Also, seeing with what they did with Harley Quinn. Yeah. Bring it the fuck on. Do whatever you want. God, that <laughs> show was fucking fantastic. Um, the first one is Batman the Caped Crusader. Uh, and the team that's behind creating it, and I think they're probably mostly like producers, but still, is J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Bruce Timm. 
J.J. Abrams being, we all know who he fucking is. Mm-hmm. Matt Reeves being the guy directing the new Batman movie. And Bruce Tim being one of the two big t- people behind the original Batman, the animated series. Which we compare all, like, as a culture, we have just kind of come to, if you're making a superhero cartoon, it's going to get held up to this standard. Yes. <laughs> and really, there's no reason anymore to make shows that- Anywhere not near that standard. Yes. No excuses. We've it had is a little, time. Uh, I'm, that said, I'm really torn between like, do we overrate the Batman, the animated series? Like, it's amazing, but like. I mean, as long as you also recognize that there's episodes like I've got Batman in my basement. Mm-hmm. But they're, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was still a kid's WB show. Yeah. But also, it's such a, like, at the same time, it's such a hard thing to go up against. Like, it's so good. It also has Heart of Ice. Oh, Heart of Ice is so... It created Harley Quinn. It led to Batman Beyond, which I like better, but it, like, part of the reason Batman Beyond works for me is because they already had this, like, we know what Batman is so fucking well that we can do the next generation of it. And then the next one is I'm a little more excited about, but the people behind it aren't as huge of names. They like clearly know what they're doing, but it's called my adventures of Superman. And it's about like early twenties, Clark Kent and Lois Lane and their buddy, Jimmy Olsen. And looking at the animation style, it reminds me a lot of like She-Ra. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just very pretty and it's a very excited Lois Lane. And with my eternal crush on Lois Lane, Makes me real happy. The people behind it are Sam Register, who does T-Titans Go, Jake Wyatt of Invader Zim, and Brendan Kloger, who worked on Voltron Legendary Defender. Oh, sweet. So, like, not as huge a names as the, as the Batman ones, but these are these are professionals when it mm-hmm. comes to making cartoons. I mean, this is your Invisible Woman, things flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. People usually don't pay attention to cartoon news, so I'm glad you brought these up. But I do want to add in... The fact that they announced the live action Naomi. Yes. And I do not have any of that information in front of me because I'll I saw the pull picture it up went, real quick, but that's interesting. Naomi's the most interesting choice made for the Arrowverse since Legends of Tomorrow. Like Naomi is a new character created by um, Brian Bendis, David F. Walker, and I do not remember the artist's name. I'm very sorry, artist. Your Your work is extremely pretty. Yeah, well, uh, it's being executive produced by Ava DuVernay. Jamal Campbell is the artist's name. Uh, Also, her name is Naomi McDuffie, which means she was named after one of the creators of Wild, of, uh, not Wild, of uh, Milestone. Mm. Yeah, executive producers are going to be Ava DuVernay and Arrow writer Jill Blankenship. Uh, Naomi has been announced as Casey Walfall. And let's see, Camilla Moreno, Alexander Wraith, Cranston Johnson, Barry Jones, Mary Charles Jones, Aiden Jem, Mozam Makar, Will Myers, and Daniel Puig will also be in it. Most of those names I don't actually recognize. No, but I'm more interested than I have been in a long time in, like, actually following an Arrowverse show, which is... I'm not knocking them. I just have fallen off literally all of them at this point. Yeah, even I haven't been keeping up this late a season. Although Legends just started, so that's probably going to stop. I was like, say, I'm, I'm about to like jump back in on Legends pretty hard. The reason I haven't watched any Legends is just 
we changed what computer we watch stuff on and we have so many other things that we haven't bothered to put in the Netflix password. Mm -hmm. But as soon as like we do that, I'm going to watch a lot of legends on my days off. I think like, where did you get up to season two? Okay. Uh, somewhere around the Christmas episode. Okay. I just had to store that away for when you start watching it again. I think Rip Hunter had turned evil. I don't think they've saved him yet. Gotcha. But your news articles, I'm sorry. I didn't know which of these to count as weird, which of these to count as new. Mm-hmm. So, because they all happened within the last three days. Actually, that Naomi also was just announced. <laughs> <laughs> like, three hours ago. Four hours ago. Um. Anyway. We are fresh and hot off the presses here. I know, so... In a week when this episode comes out. <laughs> Paul Atreides... Timothy Chalamet mm-hmm. is going to be young Willy Wonka in a Willy Wonka Willy Wonka Origins movie. Do we need a Willy Wonka Origins movie? Henry Cavill is going to be the new Highlander. I will say this. I will believe that when they start production. I'm very excited about this possibility. He's so much better than any choice they've had. But we also heard the 300 guy was going to do this years back. Like, when they start production, I will believe them. I hope they have, I hope they still rope Gerard into it. And Gerard they, Butler, thank you. That's his. And I hope they have Henry as Duncan and Gerard as Connor. No, I want Gerard to be the Kurgan. Oh, I'm down with that. Because if you can't get Clancy Brown, you have to go a completely different direction. I'm down with him and as the Gerard Kurgan. And Gerard is pretty willing to chew scenery. And then just to, because I was going kind of rapid fire with the three things, mm-hmm. we watched the Eternals trailer. I am Which so... one is weird? Which one's hot <laughs> out of those three things? Like, I'm going to go with Eternals is the hot one just okay. because like it's a Marvel cinematic. Like, mm-hmm. And here's the trailer as opposed to they're going to make these things. I'm not a huge fan of the Eternals as a comic. I'm very down on things today. I apologize. It's been wet and cold and it's a good thing I never moved to Portland. Um, I hardly know anything about the Eternals. They're fine. They Neil did a run, right? Neil did a run with John Romita Jr. It was good. It was not amazing. It's one of the few Neil things I've yet to read. The problem is with Eternals. Cause I mean, Kirby did it too. And Kirby's a wild madman. Something about the Eternals has never quite clicked. Right. Like everyone knows the idea is brilliant. Or has, like, a lot of potential. But no one's ever found quite the right voice for it, and it makes it hard. Because how do you do weird space gods who have been living in secret on Earth since caveman times? So that brings me to one of my big thoughts. Uh Uh-huh. The fact that they're doing Eternals, and the fact that that's the Eternal story, makes me about 95% sure that they're not going to be doing mutants as in they've just been among us this entire time. That's fair, but also the Eternals are, the Eternals are wildly different than like X-Men or the Inhumans or whatever. Like they don't fit that same scale because there tends to be like eight of them. Right. As opposed to an entire species or whatever this trailer doesn't it shows us a lot of like what the feel of this movie is i mean they've got the epic pretty down yes and there's a lot of scenery porn 
That is my biggest concern. It would be... And, and you get to see them through the ages very briefly. And I think that's what doesn't quite work for me for Eternals, is they're very good at the epic through the ages concept, but they're not great at, like, making the individual Eternals interesting in their own right in a lot of cases. Where I'm like, oh, mutants, the idea is cool, but I also really fucking love the beast or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, there isn't really an Eternal that I'm like... That guy. But having one of them changing him from like a samurai action star to a Bollywood movie star. Yes. Give me an immortal space god Bollywood movie star turned superhero. Yeah. Let him just run that entire movie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I had this is one of those ones that's kind of like uh, when they first announced that they were doing Guardians of the Galaxy mm -hmm. where I mean, I'm a little bit trepidatious going into it, but they're probably going to find some way to knock at least one of the characters out of the park. And they've had and a, it'll probably be Camille Nanjiani. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, and it'll they've got a pretty good track record with the space based movies. Yeah. So I'm I'm super I'm more excited about it than I was for the Avengers movies, and I ended up liking those quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is another case where at worst it looks like it's as good as Captain Marvel. Yeah. Which I enjoyed. It looks like it's going to be better than Thor The Dark World was, which is kind mm -hmm. of like my what I expect from a Marvel movie, because Thor The Dark World was not good. It's not awful in any particular way. It just mm -hmm. never... Yeah. Jumped. By the way, like, in my ratings, Thor The Dark World is below Captain Marvel. Oh, That's yeah. sort of my baseline oh, yeah. for like a good like C plus B minus like... Marvel effort. I think a B is a very good rating for Captain Marvel. I really yeah. enjoy it. Thor is like a D plus maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, C minus. I'll even give mm -hmm. it like you, you're just going to forget it exists more than anything else. Each of Ultron is like a D or an F. Oh, I still D. rank that about the same as dark world. But. I don't know why age of old. And, We've covered this. Certain movies I just decide make me mad, and I'm <laughs> never sure why. That's fair. Hello, Venom and <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eternal. I don't know if we need a Wonka origin story. And, like, you're going to just piss the weird purists off when you don't do the acquiring of the Oompa Loompas as racist as it was. Mm-hmm. And also you're going to get the, my only Willy Wonka is either Gene or the weird Johnny Depp community too. They exist. I don't get it, but yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, enjoy I tend enjoy. to like me some Johnny, but especially not that time period though. Now, like it's early Johnny. I like, yeah. The, and by that point, the Johnny and Tim combo yeah. words is not work, but not important to what I was saying. I just feel like it annoys all the, like, it's going to annoy everybody somehow. And I just don't have a whole lot of energy for those movies anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not a huge prequels guy. You can do a prequel, but too often prequels are the prequel trilogy. There's some good parts about them, but like the shit I had in my head about what the Clone Wars is generally cooler than what we actually got out of the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. That said, I will... Fucking live and die for Clone Wars and Bad Batch, like the cartoons. <laughs> so, uh... I'm so on board. Now that you mention it, I'm so on board for Butler as the Kurgan. That'd be so fucking good. Make us movie creators. That's so good. <laughs> um, Pay me. But who's who's Ramirez? Ian McKellen. 
I. <laughs> Who's an Egyptian actor that can play a Spaniard? While still keeping the voice accent of the <laughs> Scotsman. <laughs> I was just trying to think of like a crazy act. Like, mm-hmm. who's an old man who's also kind of the least Sean Connery person I can think of? Yeah, I'm just trying to think of like, like the Ramirez guy who plays is a... Bail Organa. Oh, Jimmy Smiths? Yeah, he's going to be in In the Heights coming up. Is he? Yeah. Oh, cool. If it's. Now I'm going to look up the name because now I'm worried, but. Yep, Jimmy Smits. He also plays um, somebody's mom in, or dad in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, Santiago. Mm. Um, I'm gonna throw out Oded Fair, who was uh, the leader of the guys that protect against the mummy and the mummy. Ooh, he was in Star Trek Discovery recently. Yeah. He plays an admiral. He, yeah, I like that a lot actually. Oded Fair for Ramirez, or the guy who plays Imhotep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is his name? I oh, your choices are so much better than Jimmy. Jimmy Smith's is great, but like for this specific role, Arnold Vosloo. At this point, just anyone from the Mummy. Let Brendan Fraser do it. <laughs> uh, to have him uh, take a break from being a robot man, which is still amazing. I'm so glad Brendan Fraser is acting again. That's so good. Um, that's it for news, though. That's it for news. Let's uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, it's going to be 2001. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we've done Superman before. Long yeah. enough ago that I never really want to listen to the episode again because I'm too critical of myself. But we've done Superman before. Do you have a relationship with Smallville? Because if I remember, your relationship with Superman in general is sort of like, Meh. he's fine. He's fine. Um, so my relationship with Smallville is I haven't watched very much. Uh-huh. What we watched is some of the only Smallville I have seen. Okay. So it was, I knew it was small, but it's, it was basically non-existent. Basically non-existent. I technically have watched, um, most of the first season. I don't remember which episode. I know I never got to the end of the season. I don't remember which episode I left off on. Okay. Uh, that being said, I was also being taught how to play magic at the same time. So you definitely were paying more attention to Magic the Gathering. Than I can you were... tell you what a mana curve is. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I play <I>, for years. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember. Like this, I might as well have been watching it for the first. Time. Okay, I was just curious. See, because for me, I mean, it it was foundational. Like I at the time wasn't really reading Western comics. I was pretty much only reading or watching anime or manga in the first few years of high school. I was that fucking nerd. Mm -hmm. Smallville was like my one exception. Oh, I will also point out that this was happening not while Smallville was coming out, Mm -hmm. but instead while I was like 22. So like on DVD or something like that. Uh, And I watched almost every week, and it was one of those shows that I like had episodes recorded. And this Mm. is a thing that I think that you and I are about as close to like the last generation to experience this, (laughs) but of recording shows that you liked on VCR. So you could watch them later when Mm -hmm. you, because it was the only chance you were going to have like access to them. So sometimes when I think of Smallville, there's the like VCR imperfections. Oh yeah. Like in, in my memory. Mm -hmm. 
uh, the little bit of static, the little bit of mm-hmm. that we do sometimes. I watched it all the way through. Uh, I had a year between high school and college where I pretty much worked at a sandwich shop and was depressed, if we're being honest. And there were a couple of shows that I watched just so much of during that time. And it was Scrubs, Smallville, Stargate SG-1. So it kind of falls under these, like, I have real deep connection to Smallville, but I recognize that it has more to do with the time of my life. Mm-hmm. then it probably has to do with the actual quality of Smallville. It did make me cry at least twice that I can think of, though. Like rewatching it for this? No! <laughs> I mean, like, the earned credit they have when he finally puts on the Superman suit mm. after ten fucking years. Mm-hmm. Or um, the death of Lionel Luther. Okay. And the death of Jonathan Kent. Okay. Like those three, I was just like, I'm feeling emotions. What's interesting is, I mean, because now I'm the comic book guy. I knew so little about Western comics, especially DC back then. I knew like Spider-Man and X-Men and manga that I didn't realize Smallville was a Superman show. The first time I watched it, like halfway through, I was like, his name's Clark Kent. I've caught on. Everyone's like, fucking duh, Zach. Um, But it was just a monster of the week show for me. But it is what led me to like Superman or at least try out other Superman and make me go, fuck, I like Superman. And now Mm -hmm. I'm like the passionate Superman defender. All right. So now uh, part of the reason we even like other than your love for it Mm -hmm. and how it ties into your own nerdy history, part of the reason we decided to look at it is because we probably wouldn't have the Berlanti verse if Smallville wouldn't come before. And I wanted to really examine it because, as I said, I've been watching through rose-colored glasses for years. Like, oh, Smallville, make me happy. I probably shouldn't watch that because I want to, like, continue to have it make me happy when I think about it. Um, uh, and as for someone who watches a lot of CW, mm-hmm. I have to say, I think Smallville holds up. Like, it's watchable today. Yeah. Some of the effects are uh, don't hold up, but some of them are better than I expected. Though that too. The other reason is I haven't. You know, Smallville came out twenty years ago at a real mm-hmm. zeitgeist point of our pop his or pop culture. So I wanted to see where it sat. And the thing I didn't realize until I watched it is it really does sit at the kind of tail end of the monster of the week style fantasy show that was like the fantasy shows we got for most of the nineties. Well, I would say it's more of a transition point into the way they started doing Monster of the Week because, to me, although uh, I would agree that Smallville kept uh, probably the viability of the superhero genre Mm -hmm. um, alive to the execs at WB and whatever as far as television goes, uh, the style storytelling I'm seeing in this first season reminds me much more of Supernatural. Yeah. I mean, it's very Supernatural to the point that one of the main characters of Supernatural was a regular on season four before they, like, he left at the end of season four and they gave him Supernatural after that. Mm. Uh, Jensen Ackles or oh. whatever his name is. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's Lana's second creepy boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> He does a really good job of being a weird creep. <laughs> like I could see that. I'm not, I'm not knocking Jensen Ackles. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. am knocking his character. <laughs> uh, but it, it for me, it's kind of sitting at 
sort of the tail end of the monster, at least the dominance of the monster of the week being our genre television Mm -hmm. to much more. I mean, sci-fi still does it to an extent, but to much more where superheroes kick in. Because after this, Arrow was originally going to be a Green Arrow with the Smallville version of Green Arrow show. Oh. Like they were talking about doing that and then they finished Smallville and went, yeah, maybe we not. don't really want to. Like, we want a very different tone, so we'll make our own. And which, look how that worked out. <laughs> which, but also a very different tone to start, because that early arrow is very murder-happy. Yes, it is. But it definitely has some of, especially the first season, has some of the DNA of late Smallville in it. Mm. Of when the soap opera gets real strong. Because <laughs> the Monster of the Week format never dies, but it does calm down a lot after uh, season one ends. As it does with most shows that do that, to be fair. Yes. But they were very open of like, we've built enough that we're allowed to move. Like, they're mm-hmm. letting us move past it now. And Smallville gets super days of our lives in some of those later seasons. Okay. Uh, Still liked them, but... You know, you know who's very uh, greatly considering going through more Smallville now. <laughs> this guy, because guess who watched hundreds and hundreds of episodes of Days of Our Lives with his grandma growing up? I was uh, <laughs> live streaming to some of my friends, just live like on Facebook, Facebook comment. Like, should be, mm-hmm. I should be doing this on Twitter. I have a Twitter. Um, we have a Twitter. We, yes, but I was just like live reacting the first episode, and I had a friend be like, "I've been thinking about doing a rewatch of Smallville because I never finished it." Like, I will not watch 10 seasons of this, but I will probably get kind of high and like revisit some of my favorite episodes of this afterwards. Um, well, as we get into talking about it, uh-huh. let's get the sex call to elephant out of the room. We've talked about it several <laughs> times here on this show. And actually, this is the other reason I was super scared to watch this. Allison Mack super helped lead a sex cult. And I think was indoctrinated into the sex cult, but also did reach a... The trauma heaped on you does not forgive the trauma you do to other people. So, like, all the victims of her 100% mm-hmm. back you. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But I do feel bad for her because I feel I'm pretty sure she... I mean, she worked her way up through the ranks of the sex cults. Like, that means she was... About it at some point. Yeah, like... And she was a victim, too, at some point, I guess, Mm -hmm. is my thing. So it just mostly makes me sad. Because we'll get into it. I loved Chloe when I was fucking... This came out in 2001, so I was 13, 14. She was everything that, like, 14-year-old Zach thought was super interesting. What most 14-year-old boys in 2001 thought was super interesting. I was going to say, I when I was watching this, I thought about the comments you've made about her. And I was like, I get it. I think at the time I would have been into her. But on this rewatch, like, I'm I'm with Clark. I'm about Lana. Lana's awesome. Oh, we're going to fight about that? Uh, uh, but in, in these like first a three way. episodes, she's awesome. I don't know where she goes to, but, like... She's fucking white bread. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, our buddy Dickie, who's been on the uh, Dresden Files episodes, was supposed to be here because he watched all of Smallville a few years ago, and he would just text me as it went along. So for, like, six months, I would just get random Smallville texts. Mm-hmm. And part of it was, Chloe is right there, Clark. Why the <laughs> fuck do you care about Lana? So, um, although then Lois shows up and then 
books. Neither. I'm all about yeah. it. It's kind of like season one Flash where you're like, Caitlin Snow's right there. Why are you paying this much attention to Iris? Not the actress's fault. Early no. Iris just, they didn't know what to do with it. Did not know what to do with it. <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely true. Anyway. Um, Let's go through the cast, at least the base okay. cast, before... Because a lot of these people kind of defined some character runs since then. Well, okay, so the Superman, Clark Kent, mm-hmm. is Tom Welling. My biggest criticism of this show is going to be, I've seen him act in later, or even when he popped up on fucking Crisis. Yeah. I know Tom Welling can act. It doesn't show in these first three episodes. Most of the characters are really fucking wooden in these first episodes in ways that I didn't remember. The pilot episode, I was genuinely surprised he ended up landing the role. They had to fight to get him, too. Because they were like, this kid's about to take off as a movie actor. Don't go on a fucking WB Superman show. And then he read the first episode and was like, all right, this actually sounds pretty fun. And he couldn't emote being surprised out of a fucking wet paper bag. In the first three episodes. He's never great at surprise. He gets... He's He's pretty good good at at caring. He's very good at caring. He has childhood, teenage, 16-year-old whining down to a scary degree. (laughs) And I was on Team Clark in a lot of arguments when I was 16. And I'm looking at it now and I'm like, Clark, please shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Please. I will say... And it's the one moment that stood out more than anything else is uh, a bit in episode two where Chloe is like scared that she's like, are you outgrowing me as a friend? And he comes up to her and he goes, Chloe, I could never outgrow you. And then he does the like charming Tom Welling smile, except for vertically. Bam. At that moment, those two were like perfectly in character. Every other time you're right. Like I was either being like, oh, Chloe, no, what went wrong? Or like, Tom... I know you're better than this, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Well, Allison Mack. As Chloe. Yeah, as Chloe. WB's like how the uh, PG manic pixie dream girl character. Um, And that's enough about that. Annette O'Toole. (laughs) Uh, Annette O'Toole is Martha Kent. Uh, And also she played Lana Lang in one of the Chris Reeves Superman movies. Yep. Superman three, which started the long tradition of Smallville of, they got almost every person who has played Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane or Clark Kent back for an episode somewhere. If they were still alive when the show was being made. Uh, she, this, I fucking love this. Um, so she has been married to Michael McKean since 1999. And, uh, who is Michael Keen. Uh, from like Spinal Tap and all oh, the okay. Cast for yeah. Guest movies. Uh, her and McKean together are singer-songwriters and wrote the song uh, Kiss at the End of the Rainbow for A Mighty Wind. Oh. Which is the, the one that Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara do together in the movie. Interesting. Which is like the big like crime movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, Annette O'Toole also, she doesn't get much to do in these first three episodes. Let's no. really say this right here. She becomes, she's one of the people that I went, you're way like better than I remember. Like I'm way more excited to see you again than I am. Like I always liked her. Mm-hmm. She's easily my favorite version of Martha. I don't Agreed. like it 
when they're just straight up octogenarians. Agreed. They don't need to be a hundred years old. Older, I mean, they're parents of an adult man. Like, that's fine. But like, you know, 50s era here, like she's 40s at the oldest in this. I thought was, I know, I really liked her in this. Uh, I had to say, I wanted to bring up that she was also, unfortunately, the adult Beverly Marsh in the original It miniseries. And the adult section was terrible. She's fine, though. I like her. Yeah, that's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, that didn't click for anyone in those sections. Yeah. So, um, But along uh, to fill to round out the parents, we had uh, Bo Duke <laughs> as John Kent, uh, John Schneider. So. I never watched Duke. I don't think I've ever seen a Dukes of Hazard episode. So an, there's an episode that comes up where the other Duke of Hazard has a guest appearance. Oh shit! As like one of John Schneider's like teenage buddies kind mm-hmm. of thing. So perfect. But I was like, why are they suddenly doing all these car jokes and why is he sliding across the hood? What is happening in this episode? And then I found out that he was Bo Duke, and I was like, oh my god, all of this makes sense now. I like him. When I was a kid, I was definitely like, you're too hard on Clark. And now I'm like, you really need to explain yourself better to your teenager, but I'm kind of on your side now. <laughs> like, um, I kind of like, I liked the chemistry that him and Annette O'Toole had. And I felt like it they had kind of chemistry. Like I felt like they mirrored what, what you kind of later think of as uh, kind of the Clark Lois. To an extent, but what's interesting is in that relationship, Clark is much more Martha while Lois is John. Because mm-hmm. Lois is the one that will go off hack, fuck, hocked. I mean, he attempts to murder Lionel Luther in a later episode. Spoilers okay. for a show and an episode that happened in like 2005, but like he tries to murder Lionel Luther and then has a heart attack and dies. And it made me cry. Not going to lie. I was 15, 16, whatever. I was young. He definitely comes across better as a Pa Kent than the Man of Steel. And the who is it who's Pa Kent in Man of Steel? Who's such a better actor than him, but like... Oh, um, Costner. Yeah. Costner's a better actor, but he wasn't given shit to work with there. While Snyder, like... He feels like someone who owns a farm and is not sure what to do with his crazy super-powered son... Mm-hmm. But who like is also someone that you're still gonna like because he's a very he so clearly loves his son. He does have some really good moments. The chemistry doesn't kick in with Clark as much in these episodes, but there are moments where you see the potential. You've mentioned Lionel Luther a couple times now, so let's just bring up John Glover right now. John Glover becomes my favorite part of the show later on. Like he doesn't get any in these first few episodes. But Lionel, is he a hero or is he a villain that he picks up later on? And the answer is definitely still a villain, but sometimes for better reasons is amazing. And as we've pointed out, or you pointed out to me, John Glover has now played the son of, or not the son, I keep saying that, the father of Lex Luthor. Yes. The father of Savannah from, Dr. Savannah from um, uh, uh, Shazam. He was was Mr. Savannah in the flashback scenes in in Shazam. And he plays Woodrow the Floronic Man. In Batman and Robin. And he creates Poison Ivy. Yes. This dude creates supervillains up the wazoo. It's amazing. (laughs) 
he also looks enough like Kevin Conroy that I have to double take every time I look at him. Especially with the hair yeah. kind of longer. Especially with the hair kind of longer. Uh, let's move on to his son, Lex Luthor, played by Michael Rosenbaum. Real quick, I'm going to say okay. he kind of has... I wonder if... I kind of wonder if Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin would have existed without some of Lionel's later character stuff. Mm. Like, he just... That's not accurate. It still would have. But... Uh, I wonder if some of the writing choices they made, like it's a kind of a early, early prototype of that compelling villain when we get more time with him. But the other really interesting, compelling villain, Michael Rosenbaum, my second favorite Lex Luthor. First being Clancy Brown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I'm sorry. It's, it's Clancy Brown. Like it's That's fair. How, live action. Probably Rosenbaum. Probably Rosenbaum. <laughs> um, Lex is I don't not, know. I'm kind of leaning into Cryer. Cryer is amazing. I think Cryer But I haven't can, seen as much with him, so he hasn't won over yet. I I understand people like it. Now, I finally understand people liking Rosenbaum, though. Now that even just watching these three episodes. Well, and Rosenbaum is like lover of... He is someone who poured so much more pathos into a character on Smallville than we really deserved. But we definitely, like, he did that for us. <laughs> like, uh, um, and watching him go off the deep end, by the end, he is insanely hateable. But, I mean, he's weird rich person guy in this, like, weird rich person shit. But it's, he's charming in it. I he hangs always, out with too many teenagers. I do always think of him though first as Parker in Urban Legend, but that's because I've watched that movie like sixty times. So no, he's Lex for me. He almost he auditioned for Star Lord because he's friends with James Gunn, and like part of me wanted to get him, and part of me was like, I won't be able to like. Uh, he is in Guardians too as Martinek. Yeah, very briefly. And when they did the animated uh, Dragonlance movie, he's Raceland. No, he's, no, he's Tannis. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay, moving he's on. Tannis half elf. That doesn't work. He would have been a decent Raceland. Uh, how about uh, Kristen Kruk, Lana Lang? You really liked her here. She is, to me, the most forgettable romantic interest in like a lot of TV for me. In every role she does, and I don't know why she doesn't click for me, but she was kind of the same in Chuck. I was like, but so-and-so's right there. She did that terrible Chun-Li. Yeah, oh, yeah, fuck. I know I watched that at least once, but I don't remember anything about it. And she's the Scotty doesn't know girlfriend. I was about to say, she's Fiona. She's Fiona. Scotty doesn't know that Fiona and me. Um, Um, No, I thought she was great in this. These three, I mean, I don't know how she gets through the rest of the series, and maybe she never gets any more interesting than these three episodes. But in these three episodes, I was like, no, I get it. And, like, especially the way she she handled Greg in episode two when he was trying to, the scene at school when he's just like, wait, you're ditching me for your boyfriend? And she's just like, look, I don't. Toxic masculinity, the villain. Yeah, and and she's just like, look, I don't have time for this right now. And the way she... She she shut him him, down real hard. She shut him down without it becoming more confrontational. Mm -hmm. She's just like, this is what's going on. By the way, peace. (laughs) I, I will definitely give you that. I actually, I'm like now looking over this being like, how much of this is me 
internalizing like year looking at the like internalized years of watching this show and liking the others better because like especially because I'm super in love with uh, the woman who plays Lois mm. later on in the series and by that point the Lana will they the Lana will they won't they doesn't age wonderfully well and after they like date and then break up it just becomes really obvious that they're not sure what to do with Lana and I'm not a huge fan of her soft voice that she uses that she uses a lot in this show the like oh but i don't know like, uh, <laughs> i don't know why it bothers me there there is nothing wrong with her but just i guess she's the least interesting to me of well okay other than her terrible fucking boyfriend who we'll talk about in a moment but <laughs> uh, whitney ford whitney ford <laughs> The guy who left this show to go star on a sci-fi Flash Gordon show that didn't finish its first season. And as a hardcore fan of Flash Gordon, is terrible. Not the actor's fault. Hmm. Who haven't I brought up? Who do I still need to bring up? Uh, Pete. Pete doesn't get much to do in these first few episodes. He gets better. Sam Jones Third. Honestly, he, he was in several sports movies... I looked him up for this to try to remember. He was in several sports movies. Oh, yeah, that's where I recognize him. He was on, like, a season of Blue Mountain State. He left to make more movies, and his his career didn't really work in the way that I think he wanted it to. He also did go to jail for a while for selling pills, or trying to sell... Some kind of drug-related charge. Whatever, it happens. Um... He's very much in these first few episodes, 2001 black best friend character. He doesn't get anything really that interesting to do. Nah. Uh, somewhere in season two, he learns Clark's secret identity. Okay. And suddenly gets a whole lot more to do. But unfortunately, when you're the only black character on a show... They always suffered from not knowing what to do with Pete outside of, like, his relationship to, let's be honest, the white characters. Eric Johnson played Whitney Fordham. Fordman. He did a very good job at playing a forgettable, douchey, high school, college, not college, high school football player boyfriend. I actually just watched him. He was in the, the last season of American Gods. How was he? He was great. He was, he was a good little Chad Mulligan. Not a big part, but an important part. So, As I said, he did a really good job of playing, but this is not a character. He has easily the most one-dimensional character in this. Oh, he also voices Ivar the, bo the Boneless in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So I just listened to him the other night when I was going through some of those missions. Good job. I was actually wondering before we started today if he had a career... Yeah, yeah uh, he was, yeah, he was uh, in Vikings for, like, 20-ish episodes. That's super tracks. Um, cool. A few other things, like, I don't know. And then there are forgettable Monster of the Week people. We're not gonna, uh, you, we covered the main actors. Oh, I think he um, might have been one of the main guys in The Nick, which I've heard really good things about, but I think only lasted, like, a season or two. Most shows do. Mm -hmm. Like 90% of shows don't last longer in a season. Uh, let's, what do you, what did you think of the episodes? I guess like we're look, I, <laughs> like I said, I'm surprised at how well it worked. The mm -hmm. monster of the week is on point. It's 
as good as the early Supernatural seasons, as far as that style storytelling goes. I Like, I was interested. I think I was looking too hard f- uh, for this time period for connective tissue to, like, comics and shit going forward. Like when It picks the, up way more later, but yeah, in these first ones, they're like, all right, Superman, but we're not... Easter eggs hadn't picked up yet in the mm-hmm. way that we just expect them now. Yes, and that's the thing. Like, at a certain point, I was like, I'm not seeing some of these things, but I think I'm looking too hard. I gotta remember that this was 2001. They got pretty good later on at bringing in character... I mean, they brought in Mixel Pitalik at one point. The yeah, weird... Yeah, that's dope. Per- I mean... It is only using the name, and also, to its credit, is the only reason why I know how to pronounce Mixelpitalik. Um, I they have a character, the character actually, like, slow talks someone through pronouncing it. That's funny. I guess there was, I, I made a couple notes for each episode, mm-hmm. and I, I'm curious, first off, I got, with the weird openings, does anything ever come of the fact that Lana's aunt was... Very obviously into John the second he walked into her store. Never touches it again. She gets written out very quickly uh, (laughs) where she gets written out of moving to Metropolis. Lana moves in with Chloe. Okay. They become friends at some... It's clearly setting up to happen eventually. Um, Oh, yeah. Episode three already had, like, the sort of beginning little touches of that. We have one episode where Chloe's dad is like, I'm taking in Lana, this will be fine. And then they just never mention Chloe's dad again. Okay. They just stop, like, Chloe's just living in town, no mention of either of her parents, no one ever asks. That's fine. I've You know what? I've watched Boy Meets World. I'm used to some of this shit. Lana takes over the coffee shop at some point, which is hilarious, because in this one she's terrible at working at a coffee shop yep. and lives alone in an apartment upstairs. Okay. Dates creepy supernatural boyfriend. All right, Jensen Ackles. Gotcha. I I was just curious because I was like, this scene is kind of awkward. I think they were hoping to use her and then went, God, we just don't have anything. Like, well, and it would Or this C plot just adds too much and we have time limits that we have to keep on. We don't have time for it. And also, just it would be hard to do when so much of the show focuses around. The kids like the Mm -hmm. parents don't really have like I mean, they're major parts of every episode, but they don't have like the entire episode is following the lives of the parents, which I feel like we would need a little heavier with Nell wanting to bang Jonathan real bad in that first episode. I was fucking shocked at the fucking scarecrow initiation. That was weirdly dark, I felt, for that time Yeah, no, they assaulted and crucified a kid. Um, Early 2000s... That kind of made me sit up a little bit. I was like, wait, what the fuck is this show doing? What early 2000s high school is, like, in on television, is the fucking Wild West of, like, just of horrifying, you know, football still controls the world, and I don't know, football, at least in my school, football never controlled the world. Uh, uh, yeah, and, no. Um, I, I encountered a tiny bit of that in college, actually, but yeah, not it definitely not, happened more. Not in college. a lot. Uh, more just an ease of classes if you were in one with a lot of football players. 
which worked out for me. Yeah, no, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but yeah, um, they fucking crucify him. I'm going to say, I feel like, and I never caught this as a kid, it's a very obvious Christ reference to crucify as a scarecrow. Oh, yeah. Superman. I don't like it because I... There are ways, I've said this before, there are ways to do saviors without just, look, it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I just feel like I want different allegory used, I think, more often. I have an idea of maybe why that was included this time around, but we're going to come back around. Oh, it makes perfect sense. It works. I'm not surprised. Well, I mean, other than the fact that that happens with Superman a lot, I actually have a different idea of maybe why, too. But Okay. Um well, I needed to make sure that you didn't cry during any of these episodes when you brought it up earlier, because Did I think I laughed so hard that I almost cried <laughs> when Lana's parents got fucking hit by that. <laughs> I fucking worked so... I texted you about this. I, like, Holy <laughs> shit. Yes, you did, and I didn't, I didn't understand why. And then when it happened... I was fu- I almost fell out of the fucking couch, dude. Lana is like three years old, and because one of the big like background concepts of Smallville is that there was a meteor shower of kryptonite when Clark came to Smallville, which is how they explain the monsters of the week because they're all powered by kryptonite. Yes. Which later almost entirely gets dropped because he mostly moves to Metropolis and they just were like, fuck it, it's still called Smallville. But they show the meteor shower. And for the most part, the meteor shower special effects were better than I expected them to be. I agree. But like, Lana in a princess outfit looks over, says, hi, mommy. And then they like look in the sky and a meteorite hits them directly and blows up their car. Well, it plays out when I was watching. I'm like, this is literally the exact same way you would play it if you were making a parody of this. Oh, yeah. It's this giant explosion that is somehow looks big but is also extremely localized to just them and their car and affects nothing else around it. Kind of makes me think of two things that I thought of. One, I've had this running theory ever since I watched that one of the greatest jobs in the world is to be the pyrotechnics guy on Smallville. Because when they blow something up, they blow it up. Oh, yeah, they're going... They make the the good-looking explosions. Like, they blow... Anytime they blow up a car, they're like... How much of a fireball can we make here? Because we need Tom Welling to watch out, walk out scorched and shirtless. And the other guy's like, let's do this. I'm an expert. But that's the but, thing. Like, they did, like, a car explosion for the meteorite, <laughs> but then they just had to superimpose it over the background. So it's like <laughs> it's like a car bomb goes off that affects none of the neighborhood. Uh, it did make me think of how much special effects have changed. While some of these definitely... I mean... They were very obviously early 2000 CGI, but they were better than I expected. Mm-hmm. While other bits, uh, what we can do now for the price, like if we want to show a blown up block, we can CGI so much of that for pretty cheap at this point that it just does. But the what you had to do with you know the budget you were working with, it, it's so interesting to watch on old school TV. I wondered if... Was it ever established anywhere else before that it's the Smallville Crows? Or did they literally just make a fucking entire high school mascot a mascot just so that they could have a scarecrow initiation? I don't know. To be entirely honest with you, 
we see a lot of Clark in high school, but it's usually like the very specific parts of like, he grew up trying to be a normal kid. Oh God, his powers are hitting. That's hard to deal with. The only times I can think of where I might've seen crows is stuff that came out after Smallville. Mm. So I can't promise it, but it's 100% possible that they permanently changed Smallville canon. So they had an excuse to put him up on a cross. Something about that seems so fucking ridiculous to me. Oh, I think it's mostly just because Smallville crow crows doesn't roll. It's not well a great the, name. No. Like we were the Hellgate Knights. There were the Sentinel Spartans. Like there's the the Smallville Crows. The, the there's an S in both of them. <laughs> yeah. I uh, anyway, and like I dude, this happens in shows all the time. So this isn't a dig, but I was just fucking like laughing at the synchronicity of, of course, the kid that gets in a car wreck that Clark discovers he's fucking near invincible with is the one kid who's also smart enough and rich enough to eventually become his biggest villain. <laughs> right? Uh, as soon as he got in that car, Cece looks over for me and goes, that's a nice car. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I thought it was, but I don't know enough about cars, so you telling me it's a nice car. Uh, I do think that the crash test dummy that they obviously had in there looks really funny now. Mm -hmm. But I also appreciate that they drove that car into the water with a crash test dummy. Like, that is... How... You what? Episode three? Yeah. No, episode two, when uh, Greg fucks up um, boyfriend's car mm -hmm. and gets him in the crash. They impressively made that fucking stunt driver look like him in that scene though. Cause that looked just like him when that car was flipped over. Oh yeah. I was blown away by that. I was like, that doesn't look like a stunt man. Nope. It's just the crash test dummy. That was the one that I was <laughs> like, well, that's, that's not a person. Uh, also, just Whitney creeping on the porch at the end of the episode when she gives him the, the kiss on the cheek. I was like, the fuck is this show? Who's... What? Okay, whatever. People creeping on the porch. Clark watching her through his telescope and having it be, like, kind of a sweet thing as opposed to fucking stalkery. Yeah. It's um, pretty teenager shit, but also, mm -hmm. like, guys, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those things where, like, I, I get it for like you're 16 and into this chick and it's like right there, but like, don't do that. And 16 year olds also quite haven't always figured out their shit yet. Like yeah. I do have a level of understanding for teenagers who do weird shit. Cause you're like, you haven't figured out how to person yet, but also don't do that. But also don't do that. And also Tom Welling's 25 when he's filming this and yeah. he doesn't pull off 16. So it's just like, Oh oh no. Oh, don't. <laughs> Uh, I, also I would have fucking killed for that, like, barnyard hangout, like, yeah. his loft area as a kid. Yeah. Um, look, he doesn't pull off 16, but I also wouldn't have guessed he was 25. No. He's he does fine. look younger just, than... Almost no person who plays a 16-year-old on TV or a movie six, looks 16, yeah. so... Anyway, I was about to say, strangely, I think... 
The movie that does it the best that I can think of was from only two years prior, and that's The Faculty. Almost everybody was... About 16, yeah. Or was within the age range given to their characters, and some of the characters were supposed to be 18 or 19, but... Yeah. As for this episode itself... It was fine. The monster of the week is nothing exciting. It fits perfectly with, we desperately need to put him... We desperately need to crucify him with an S on him. Mm -hmm. Like, these are the... This is the image we have in mind, and that's an image they milked for the rest of this series in advertisements. So That's true. Um, one of my ideas, he probably did not have as much uh, credit to, or to do with this decision as I'm about to give him credit for, but I noticed this dude's name in the, in the, the credits. Uh, the supervising producer on Smallville, uh, he didn't write any of these episodes, but I know he wrote scripts later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a producer in TV means he was a level of writer anyway, is Mark Verheiden. Uh, Mark Verheiden used to write Aliens for Dark Horse or Predator? I can't remember which. Okay. Uh, but he went on uh, just a couple years after this to be one of the producers and writers on Battlestar Galactica from season two on, which is when it starts really mixing in religious allegory. That, yeah. We love religious allegory and genre fiction. Let's be honest here. Well, right. But I just wish we would do more varied religious allegory than let's put a dude on a cross. Yeah, like I said, I think this is just the warm-up because, like, this last season, because, like I said, I'm watching the last season of Battlestar Galactica as one of my ingesting things currently. Also, I'm only, like, five episodes from the end. Nice. And it's uh, very much become about, like... uh comparative value of religions within society and how it affects community. Very different. (laughs) Very different. I don't have anything too much to say about the monster of the week. I think the other two monster of the week characters we get are both much stronger. Yep. I almost can't watch the second episode because of how terrible the monster of the week character is. And not in like, Oh, I want to look up who not, not in a way I need to make this very clear that it's badly done or that the actor is bad at it. He's just such a fucking creepazoid in every moment of his existence in this show. Like the over the top, like pimples and long hair and bugs and like weird creeper stalker guy. And then later on, like toxic masculinity, the character who literally just ate his mother. Chad Danella is the actor. Good job for being the most uncomfortable character. And I never would have placed, like, I didn't have the words toxic masculinity when I first started watching the show. But as I was watching, I'm like, God, this dude is awful. And you're right. And I didn't think of it till you said it, but you were right of how good a job they did of having Lana just not deal with his shit and never at any point act like she felt like she was, like, beholden to random weird. Like, she offers to help him out with a class when he asks for help. Fine, whatever. Be nice to the weird kid. But, like... The moment he becomes possessive weird, done. Then she becomes damsel in distress. But I I, I do respect that at least. Yeah, she was like, nope. Yep. And she's not really screaming damsel. No. She needs to dump Whitney. Like, he crucified a man. Um, fucking episode two. What the fuck is the soundtrack to this show, dude? It opens with some Papa Roach. We got Weezer in the middle. Like... I was never into them, but the calling was huge at the time. And I think there's a calling song that comes up in at least every episode that we watched. 
This was early 2001 WB, son. This is what they did. Yeah, in or the second episode, the second episode I think just about ends with uh, the callings wherever you will go, which was huge at the time. One, I feel like they spent half their budget just on the music, and two, this was run. I mean, when they this started, the CW was still called the WB. This was Warner yeah. Brothers. They owned all of those bands, or the like release or, rights yeah. to the bands. Put them in Smallville. They know a ton of fucking, like, young teens are watching this show. They're going to go buy the fucking, like, it is product placement at its most heinous, but also respect for the amount of thought that they put into, like, including pop music. And that's just the ones I wrote down. There was something else that sounded kind of spin doctory. I don't think it was actually them, but I was like, this sounds good. I'm sure I probably heard this song, like... They got a little fond later on of like Clark and Lana in the sunset on his at his loft while like meaningful music plays and they mm. kind of just stare at each other instead of actually like finishing an episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, like that's just like, well, we blew up the monster and we've got three minutes. Uh, those two will stare at each other longingly a lot. But I don't, none of the music is stuff that I'm like, yeah, that's my jam. Oh, Papa Roach was my jam. Actually, I take it back. The sound, the, the theme song started, and I straight up, like... Okay, that's because you have an emotional connection to the show. I'm not when saying <laughs> Save Me by Remy Zero's good. I am saying, like, that music starts and somebody save me. Because... That's what plays on annoying repeat if you have the DVD on and it takes you a minute to get to replacing the episode. See, I was sitting there and I'm like, why are they using this song as the fucking theme song when they have access to these other ones that they're playing during these episodes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then they bring it in in like the most annoying way at the end of the season of having Remy Zero playing at their prom or oh. whatever it is or homecoming. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> Oh, Remy I have Zero. to admit, that's kind of fun. Yeah, but also, Remy Zero, what's gone wrong in your life that you're opening for a small-town Kansas Oof, homecoming? Right? <laughs> I don't know. I had a couple. So, like, mostly the, the second episode, like, I agree. Like, Greg was the worst, but also the most memorable part of the episode. Oh, yeah, nothing. Uh, it mostly exists to have Lex do a little more weird person shit. Not nearly as much weird person shit as the first episode. Uh, Lex's first scene? Second scene, maybe. In this episode, he's eating an apple, and I'm like, of course. That's fucking film shorthand for this character's an asshole. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, Lex is kind of a creep when he's like, I don't want... And this is the first episode. I'm sorry, mm, I don't mm -hmm. have much on the second episode. Oh. I don't want anything to get in the way of our friendship, but I suddenly went... So that's why fucking Clark Lex slash fic was so popular with fan fiction in 2003. Well, that's fucking funny. Um... This isn't a fault of the show, uh -huh. but um, the show reminded me of one of the of a problem I have in the Superman mythos, and that's kryptonite. And it's never consistently strong enough. Now, I realize his powers also aren't consistently strong, and for some reason, I... Have sorry, less are you hoping for like consistency in Superman? I have less, weirdly, I have less of a problem with how wildly his powers can sometimes fluctuate than fucking Kryptonite. And this happens all over the place. It isn't just the show, but like his hand starts freaking out when he gets within like 
a foot of that fucking necklace, but that shit was hanging on his chest the last episode, and he didn't have, like, a fucking heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I agree with everything you just said. And it shouldn't bother me that much. But this is not my kryptonite problem that I have with this show. I have a completely different one. Because he finds out that it's kryptonite that he's allergic to in this okay. first episode. I was How about the fuck to get did to he that. go 12 years in Smallville where you can't sneeze without getting fucking kryptonite powers? Dude, there was kryptonite rocks in the local sauna. Like, dude should have been dead years ago. Years ago. You should have learned way before then. I will also, say. <laughs> how the fuck does Lex just happen to be like, I have a lead box. This is a normal rich person thing for me to do. Um, they had to introduce it somehow. I get it, but also like it did weirdly remind me of growing up. Uh, when I was in high school, this is no longer the case. There have been other super fun sites announced since. <laughs> my hometown is a super fun site oh, no. because in the fifties, my hometown tried to do what was considered the green and environmental thing at the time, mm-hmm. which was reuse the mine tailings. From the local mines for all of the governmental uh, road, everything around town. Mm -hmm. So down the street, the the entire Forest Service parking lot was made from mine tailings that I grew up two blocks from. Our high school's track was entirely (laughs) made from mine tailings. Oh, no. Oh, no. Different driveways and house foundations around town were all made from local mine tailings. Oh, yeah. No, he's going to be dead. Like, uh, he should 100% have, So, But it was also a clever way of, like, how are we going to give them superpowers? Yeah. I just, I was like, man, I remember having to go, like, get my fucking blood tested. <laughs> because of the elevated levels of arsenic and lead. Things I would never have to worry, I've never, will never have to worry about that I, like... Yeah, he should have been dead. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. But I was also just like, oh, man, this reminds me of a weird bit in my life when they tried to contact, like, everyone who had lived in town in the past, like, 20 years. Like, and then if we're really going to critique the kryptonite, we have to go into episode three. Like, thank you, Segway, where sauna kryptonite rocks give you mind fire powers. This is the biggest stretch of a why they how they got powers that I could possibly think of. Like, look, first off, if we're going to go into that, the person who had those powers was a character actor by the name of Dan Laurie, mm-hmm. who I was kind of mentioning it to you off air. First off, I'm impressed because he didn't look a day older than he did when he finished um, the Wonder Years eight years prior to this. Because he was Dan Arnold, the father on the on the Wonder Years. I love character actors. Just random guys that show up and stuff, you know. Uh, uh, Cyborg's dad in Justice League. Oh, yeah. Shows up later on in season two somewhere as weird mad scientist. Because he's always plays the mad scientist. Shows up in Smallville later on experimenting with kryptonite. There's always the, like, weird mad scientist. And I... Adore that. Dan Loria, not Laurie. There we go. I knew I'd fuck something up about that. That said, way to go, Dan Laurie. That should not have happened. But Magic once again, heat powers. <laughs> like, 
You know what the heat was? Once again, the fucking needle drops. This episode opens with Clint Eastwood from the Gorillas, and I about shat myself. <laughs> That's one of my favorite songs of all time. <laughs> it's like my, like, it's my, the, like, karaoke go-to. They did a pretty good job of, like, that was some pretty cinematics of them playing in the uh, the rain, too. Like, playing football in the rain. The, it, looked it was pretty cool. well done. It looked cool. Uh... Um, I don't care about football, but they obviously were like watching re uh, Remember the Titans before doing this and being like, all right, what worked? Parts of it, I parts of that, because I, I do understand football and played, I, I was like... Oh, I have no idea if it makes any sense as a football thing. Well, I was sitting there and I'm just wondering, like, are they trying to make him sound like a good coach or like a hard ass right now? Because, like, that first thing he was telling his quarterback was like, you don't have to know, like you've practiced this a hundred times, you know where he is. Like that's a fucking timed pass. Like that's not him being a, a hard ass. Like that's a thing. No, but him <laughs> like later on, he's definitely like, like the moment overboard. he grabs his grate and pulls yeah. it down. Yeah, I'm like, like that's oh, no, you're a piece of shit. shit. Yeah. Like, but like some of what he was telling him, I'm like, okay, so like you're a piece of shit for the helmet grabbing thing. But, um, yeah, he is just sort of telling the quarterback his job. I more just didn't understand why he was calling a five-step drop pass when in that hard of rain because you're kind of asking for an interception. But those are words to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things I liked about the Monster of the Week format is you could talk about in a really kind of goofy way uh, things that are real problems in life in small towns where high school football is insane. You really can get like really abusive coaches. I was really lucky I never had to deal with that. I was from a, a small town where high school football was insane. Oh no, neat I I didn't have to deal with it. My high school didn't win a football game for ten years. Um straight. Um, I was part of the most the second most winningest team in my high school football history. Uh we were only we were the most winningest team until another team beat us four years later finally won the state championship. But I had a weird, like almost opposite experience from what you had other... actually good coach or. So most of these like super, like literally almost half of my foot school was in football. And that's right. Cause um, we had 135 kids on average, my four years of high school mm -hmm. and our team was, I think like 54 people. It's, that's insane. Yeah. Like it was the thing to do. Mm -hmm. Most of us only did other sports to keep in shape for football. You see in Missoula it's much more like that's college football is where it takes off. But like either way, seeing people like seeing the weird shit that happens when schools get way too into a sport is a perfect setup for a monster of the week mm -hmm. show. However, episode. my coach was a uh, hardcore born again Christian. Oh boy. Uh, Nothing so, wrong with it if you are. <laughs> so instead of the stereotypical, like putting a boot in your ass and cussing you seven ways to Sunday, we were memorizing uh, tiny bits of scripture. Yeah, I don't like that either. Uh, to emphasize teamwork. Greater love has none than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. Um, Okay. <laughs> um, we are once again entering into things that I'm not comfortable talking about on General Nerdery. And uh, listening to Lean on Me as a team. 
Oh, we sang that a lot in my uh, uh, middle school choir. That yeah. was our thing. <laughs> As a football team. A lot of lean on me. I mean, I'll take it over people fucking burning you with their hands and punching you in the stomach and weird. And getting crucified as a scarecrow. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's way better than living in Smallville. Um, I do. I yeah, I needed to tell that story, though, because it's no, such no, a it's different perfect. experience. But in, in the same way that like they really were able to kind of talk about toxic masculinity with character episode two, they could, I mean, abusive parents or abusive authority figures more accurately here. Was Mr. Kwan the principal? Yes. Okay, so the biggest problem I had with this episode is when fucking Hothead starts the TV on fire and the principal sees that and then just walks out. Just walks out to his car, fire's still going. Principals have to make weird choices <laughs> on this show. <laughs> they do it a lot. Because he's not, the, I think he eventually dies. Okay. They bring in another character of color as a principal that things don't go. You know what? Early 2000s TV, not great on race relations. Not as bad as other eras we've seen, but like. Mm hmm. I also was just like, of course the fucking sauna has kryptonite. Are you kidding me? No, it, it's ridiculous. It was great. Like, I had fun, but I was just like, are you fucking kidding right now? It works better for me than the, what are obviously supposed to be like fireflies. Mm. are biting him apparently yeah. and giving him bug, not just bug powers, but like really poorly defined. He's just a bug man now. Not like I'm a grasshopper man or I'm a, like there's a bee lady later on. Like, well, and then he specifically was like with his mom, he's like, you heard of a Pharaoh spider. It's like, where do spiders come into this? Spiders have nothing to do with this. This is, it is the downside of the monster of the week. Lazy writing does kick in sometimes. Wait, oh, so that reminded me, though. Does he ever come back? Bug guy? Yeah. I don't Because it kind so. of intimates that he just turned into those cockroaches that all scurried away. I don't think he ever comes back. They do have a few others. The guy who plays Iceman comes back later on. Jonathan Taylor Thomas pops up multiple times. What? Yeah, the home improvement kid. Why? Uh, he gets hit with a meteor rock and gets the ability to make a clone of himself. Okay. And he comes back twice, and I think he gets electrocuted. And Sean Iceman, who has electricity powers in this, his brother joins the cast as Jimmy Olsen later on. Hmm. <laughs> um, Interesting. It's wild. It's, this show's so weird. Look, like I said, I was blown away by how watchable it still was. I Learning it gets more soap opera-y does make me curious about maybe checking out more. I don't know if I have that in my time schedule with other shit I want to do more, but... This might be, like, of a show that I recommend watching after watching an episode of, the, of doing an episode of this. This might be the softest recommendation I have ever done. If you have a appreciation for that era of television... And if you have an appreciation for Superman, one of those two things, you will probably enjoy watching this show. I'm not going to pretend it's great TV. I can see why I was so into it as a kid. But, like, I'm still watching through Briscoe County Jr. Very slowly, because time restraints. But I'm going to finish that. I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to sit down and watch ten fucking seasons of this show. 
I am kind of curious to see Thad as Aquaman. <laughs> How's Aquaman in Smallville? Not great. He's a California surfer bro in the first appearance. And then he's uh, an angry California surfer man in his last appearance. Okay. Uh, God, what's, what's his name? Um, it was a Disney Channel show, the, the Unstoppable Jet Jackson or something like that. Oh, yeah, I remember Jet Jackson, yeah. Uh, he plays Cyborg in a later episode. Oh, shit, okay. He was good. I mean, Cy- the Cyborg setup and costume was bad. He was fine as Cyborg. They just didn't have the, like, half-robot man mm-hmm. tech down yet. Daniel from Stargate SG-1 plays Hawkman. Oh, okay. Uh, a guy that I know was on Seinfeld, but I can't think of where else I know him from plays Martian Manhunter and plays a pretty solid Martian Manhunter. Like Supergirl's Martian Manhunter would not exist without him doing it first. Okay. Supergirl is forgettable. They just didn't know what to do with her. And I'm trying to think of who else shows up like as a superhero. Yeah. Someone plays impulse instead of the flash. And he was good at it. Like he played obnoxious super speed kid really well, but I don't, I have, I think impulse is about to show on the flash. Yeah, I've seen the costume. Uh, but I have no idea who the actor was that mm. played him. In the same way that Mara shows up later on, but I don't fucking yeah. find out who plays. Okay. Dr. Fate shows up. It's fine. It is the most comic accurate. Like, when they do a JSA episode, Arrow and, like, Legends of Tomorrow comes out of that episode directly, even if that episode only sort of works. Mm. It's when they went, we can make it look like a comic book i'm kind of curious i'm, I'm going to throw this out and it might not be something we get to for for a while mm-hmm. but i would be kind of interested in just finding out what like the top like three rated episodes of the entire series are i will 100 percent come back to future smallville episodes from the like what the fuck happened the kind yeah. of way like i want to go straight to like season nine next time <laughs> like um, let's just go wild here the booster gold episode maybe um <laughs> but yeah if you like things it's a really interesting thing to watch in some ways it's better than i expected it to be it's not great it's on hulu if you want to yeah with that What's that was a light recommendation after we talked about it for an hour. Uh, I don't what's know your if I'm comfortable real, calling it a recommendation. Um, what's your real recommendation then? PS 238 by Aaron Williams. It is a comic book. Um, I, I believe he's releasing as a web comic. I've been reading it in physical form because I'm a can't stop myself. Uh, and I found them at the used bookstore. Uh, it is a book about elementary school for the children of superheroes. Okay. And their characters, they're all, you know, one character is like clearly supposed to be the son of Victor Von Doom. He's Von Fogg instead, but, or there's a character they're like, oh, they even come up with a term for people with, you know, like flight invincibility, super speed kind of powers. They're called FISS, F-I-S-S. Okay. Flight invincibility, super speed. Yeah. Uh, Like the most generic of superheroes. But the main character is a kid named Tyler who is the son of like high level superheroes that almost kind of look like new gods when you see them, but he has no powers whatsoever. And he gets accepted into superhero school because his parents keep like trying to put him into dangerous situations where his powers will emerge. Oh, okay. And so we end up with this, like 
he's a good kid. He's a capable kid, but he's clearly fucking traumatized from like his parents throwing him off buildings and stuff. And that makes it sound way darker than it is. It's an all ages book. I would happily, I will happily lend this to my eight year old nephew. I'm 33 and I'm in it's well-written mm-hmm. superhero stories on top of I'm a sucker for Hogwarts, but not Hogwarts because Hogwarts is super problematic anymore. Sweet. So the meteor shower of kryptonite granting everybody powers reminded me of a different show. That'll be my recommendation. I mm-hmm. may have recommended it in the past, but I don't give a shit. Um, the BBC, BBC, British show anyway, uh, Misfits. Oh, I've, I've never seen it. I know what it is. I think you have recommended it before. A, a bunch of kids, uh, that are out doing community service cause they're on fucking probation, uh, are out on their fucking job site one day when a weird storm hits London and they all gain superpowers but then they all find out that uh, other people have gained superpowers too, and bad shit just sort of starts happening to them at times. Monster some of, it, of the week. Yeah, some of it's their fault. Some of it's not their fault. It's not quite monster of like the series isn't long enough to be true monster of the week. Okay. If that makes sense, like they have they have to get places. It also, if I remember, kind of follows the track of like superhero television before Marvel proved you can do like comic accurate costumes and people will accept it when they were like, let's do superhero TV, but let's it's superheroes, but they're all plain clothes and we're not going to admit the superheroes. Well, that's the thing. I wouldn't call them superheroes. They're, they're kids who get superpowers and are trying to fucking deal with it. Fair enough. And the one that arguably becomes a hero does end up like wearing a costume to go with it. Okay. And that's a thing. And the the powers aren't necessarily good powers. They tend to be ones that they do tend to have something to do with the character's personality, which ends up being kind of fun. I like it. Like um, the the kid who's super quiet and is picked on and just kind of tries to disappear ends up gaining the invisibility, ability, invisibility powers. Yeah. The the kid who like is there and made one big screw up in his life that he wish he could take back because he was on like a path to become a possible Olympic star ends up being able to turn back time. All right. That tracks as some of them have bigger drawbacks. I've heard it's pretty good. So that's, I will say I haven't for genre television. Uh, I haven't finished it yet. Um, I'll vouch very heavily for the first three seasons. It's one of those weird British shows, but by the last season, it has none of the same cast. Oh, okay. One of like, there's a organic cast switch that happens between the third and the fourth season, where there's a couple characters that carry over and then eventually fade off. Mm-hmm. I do like what I've seen with the second cast so far. It just didn't hook me as much. And you and fell I off of it because kind of we're adults. You know what? I actually have one more recommendation real fast. Uh, just because I'm thinking of, it's not Monster of the Week, but it follows that same, like, one-off, what zany things happen now. Eureka from Sci-Fi Channel. Mm. It was a great show along those lines of it. It's also kind of like B-level television, like Smallville is, or like what yours sounds like it probably is. B-movie does not mean bad. About a town full of super scientists and the one normal guy who has to operate as the sheriff and deal with fucking weird science things happening all the time. And he ain't that smart, but man, he's got common sense. (laughs) 
I don't know why I gave him that accent. It takes place in Portland, or not Portland, but in Oregon. (laughs) It happens. Oh, also, the quiet kid that turns invisible is played by the same guy that played Ramsey Bolton in Game of Thrones. Oh, creepy. Yeah, except it shows off how good of an actor he is, because he is totally believable in that horrendously different role. I always got the sense that he... It's hard to be that hateable without being a pretty solid actor, if mm-hmm. we're being honest. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Is that all for this week? That's all for this week. Do we know what we're doing next time? If we decided that, we need to decide oh God, that. Oh, God, I don't, don't know we? what we're doing next week. Uh, <laughs> join us next week for things. Next time, not next week. Next For things. It'll be fun. It'll be fun, we swear. <laughs> In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi everybody, General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is ran on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.